happy day that fixed my choice on thee my Savior and my God. Now hold that thought, okay? This song made the radio syncopated. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed, when my Jesus washed, when Jesus washed, he washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Keep the syncopated in mind. Go back to 391. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. You recognize the tune? How dry I am. How dry I am. Nobody knows how dry I am. And the person who wrote, Oh, Happy Day, said, Why should the devil have all the good tunes? <laughs> that's, that's my commercial. I'll quit. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good way to start. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Before I get started, I think Lisa has an announcement. Oh. <laughs> Yes, do remember, spring forward next Sunday. Um, we sent, Lisa sent out an email that we were going to have an outreach meeting that came out of the outreach group that came out of the retreat planning. And it was going to be Tuesday at 5.30. We now have a conflict um, that forces us to move it. So we will look at another day. And we will send you another email that tells you when. Because <laughs> right now we have no clue when. Okay. And I would just like to mention the dinner last night. Um, I think they were very happy with the turnout. But also, we had some young ladies from Clinton School, Manchester School, and Tecumseh School. And they could have served all on their own. They did such a wonderful, beautiful job. It was so much fun to work with them. So I know none of them are here, but I just think every, you know, a lot of times they think kids are so bad. Well, we've got a lot of good kids out there. Yes. And I want to remind everyone, line dancing is starting Tuesday. It's in the bulletin. so. Um, it is on for Tuesday unless something happens. And uh, we have a couple announcements that the birthdays um, for Nathan Boley is 311 instead of 211 like it was in the bulletin. And also Logan Spencer, his birthday is 315. And we have a person who has her birthday today. Shirley, 
You're 29, right? Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Shirley. Happy birthday to you. And there's also a reminder about the coffee hour. There's a new sign-up sheet um, out there now, and they have nobody signed up. So I think there is someone on it today, but... Okay. So if you're considering doing coffee hour, sign, please sign up so they know. And I think that's all the announcements I have. So okay. You did good. Now, now the... I'm back. <laughs> Did you miss me? <laughs> okay. I heard that, and I am so pleased, and thank you all. Thank you all. I, I got to, to watch at least one of the services on the Internet. Thank you all. Um, now... In your bulletin, you will see something. An invitation to the observance of Lenten discipline. I know we're late, okay? But I decided to do this because all of us missed Ash Wednesday. We're not going to do imposition of ashes, but I'm going to invite you, okay, to Lenten discipline. Do take the time to read this. Okay, the invitation in the name of the church and in the name of our Lord is to observe a holy Lent. That has a particular meaning. It means one that makes room in our lives for God. You ever wonder why you give up stuff for Lent? We give up stuff for Lent to make more room for God. It's not self-punishment. It's making our lives simpler and roomier. It helps to think of it that way. So when we think of giving up something for Lent, okay, let's think in terms of what are we going to not do or start doing that makes more room in our lives for God. Self-examination and repentance. Okay, what does repentance mean? It's important to think about that one. It's more than I'm sorry. Repentance is about getting honest with ourselves and with God. All right? And it's not just about what's all bad in us. Oh Lord, here I am, all of me. I'm not just going to tell you the bad stuff. 
Thank you for the gift that you have given me. Thank you for my voice, my talents. Okay? Thank you. Thank you for the people who are in my life. That's all part of the repentance process. It's not all negative, folks. It's about getting honest. Okay? I will admit, when I'm good, I'm only pretty good. When I'm bad... Everybody hear that one? <laughs> Who was that? Awful. Okay. Prayer, fasting, self-denial. How are we going to make room for God? By reading and meditating on God's holy word. How are we going to make room for God? Okay. And do take the time, all right, to do this. Take a piece of paper. Write down on that piece of paper something that you don't want to take to Easter. Easter is the day we celebrate Jesus opening the doors of the kingdom of heaven so all of us can get in. Write down on the piece of paper the thing or things you don't want to take into the kingdom of heaven. Okay? It may be some sin or failing. It may be some habit characteristic that oppresses you, a health situation, a relationship, some feeling or emotional state, okay? It can be anything with which you are unhappy. And I'll add, okay, on a separate piece of paper, write down a couple things that you want to take and give them to Jesus. And say, you gave me these gifts, I'm giving them back. Okay? And when you're done with that piece of paper, okay, don't keep it around as a memory. Burn it. Okay? Burn it. Because all that we need to take into the kingdom of God is our forgiveness. That's all we need to take. Okay. So, this process is about laying down the weights that hinder us. It's about throwing the things that get in our way that we don't want to take into the kingdom of God and basically throw them into what the New Testament calls God's burning sea of forgetfulness. So there's nothing left but ashes. 
The first time I went through this process, the person who, who led the process invited us to come forward after the papers had been burned. And guess what became the ashes for Ash Wednesday? Huh? And then took them out and threw them out, and the birds picked them up immediately and took them away. Amen. Did you hear, hear that? Okay. So that one, that was a rather long commercial. My apologies. Please stand and join me in the call to worship. Oh Lord, pay attention to our worship. Listen to our prayers. Fill our hearts with genuine love for you. Let us know the blessedness, peace, and joy that you want for us. Make us rest secure in your leading of our service. And the first hymn this morning is number 733, Marching to Zion.
Would you take a moment for the celebration of our peace? Greet someone near you. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you and you. Thank you. Thank you much. Thank you. Good to be back. And for your next magical trick. Yeah. That is doing nothing up her sleeve. There's nothing up mine either. <laughs> Peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. I was standing up here when we were singing the last verse of that song. That's a camp meeting song. Okay? And the last verse, okay, we can't, we can't do it now because folk don't have the old practice that they used to have. All the ladies used to have the hanky up the sleeve. Okay? The last verse, okay, supposed to march around the sanctuary. Okay. Marching through Emmanuel's ground. Aren't you glad I didn't ask you to do that? <laughs> As we go to prayer this morning, There are a number of things that are going on amongst us and in our world for us to be prayerful about. How does one start, Shirley? Sheila? Okay, people have lost people this week. The upside of that is it's their heavenly birthday. The downside is we have to deal with it. Let's keep each other in prayer. Some of us are still struggling with sickness. Okay. I hope everybody have power now. Okay. Notice I'm not asking whether your road is cleared yet or not. Okay. When, when my wife and I were out in California, we reconnected with a nephew who is at Lake Arrowhead. 
The day after we left there, it started to snow. It did not stop until there were more than eight feet on the ground. Thankfully, they had power and they had food. <laughs> so that was good. Um, let's remember our nation. Let's remember God's world. Yep. Okay. At one o'clock. That's visitation at one o'clock. Visitation. Kelly's visitation. Purse Funeral Home, Tecumseh. Visitation at 11. Service at 1. And then luncheon back here. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Sure. Know that you're surrounded. Okay, those of us who are struggling personally, remember, we are not alone. It can be with depression, confusion, financial problems, we're not alone. Health problems, we're not alone. Okay. My wife will look at me and say, your phone keeps dinging. Yeah. Okay. I happen, I happen to be part of the prayer chain. Okay. And what I say to her is, hun, that's my reminder I'm not alone. It's my reminder I'm not alone. Then she says, but do you have to answer all of them? (laughs) I'm sorry for being so bad, folk. No, I'm not. Uh, But let's keep each other, okay? Prayer, Prayer is totally amazing. Totally amazing. We're going to be preparing for communion, okay? As we prepare for communion, let us remember those that we've mentioned. And then let us consider ourselves. Our Lord Jesus, You've already heard our words. You know how our hearts are, and you know how our heads are, and you know how our bodies are. O Lord, work your miracles. See us through. Keep us reminded that you're always present with us. Remind us that 
we're to get beyond ourselves and somehow allow you to work through us to touch the lives of others. O oh Lord, in our times of difficulty, there are moments when things just don't go well. And so we come to you in honesty, in confession. Would you join me? We confess our failure to live as the family of God. We really blow it sometimes. We know we lack understanding. We know we are unwilling to forgive. We are hesitant to trust you and each other. We lack compassion. We confess we are too eager to be better than others. We are too rushed to care. We are too tired to be bothered. We are too drained to really listen. We are too quick to judge others. And we are too quick to make excuses for ourselves. We pray, O oh Lord, trusting that you will forgive us. Amen. The official phrase is, words of assurance. The unofficial words are, I just want you to know something. You are forgiven. I just want you to know something, folks. You are forgiven. Thank you. And I would appreciate it if you would forgive me, too. And if you would forgive each other. Our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know why there's a bulletin in an order of worship? Yeah, and what did I just do? I left, I left my bullet, bulletin on the pulpit. Did I do okay? Okay. Moments for silent prayers, folks.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please join me in the affirmation of faith. I believe in the everlasting God, Lord of all things. I believe that God is love. I believe that to be in tune with God is to discover true richness in life. I believe in the life, works, and words of Jesus. In him I see God. I believe the church is a people with a mission to help all of us to accept our own gifts. The church is about giving us opportunities to use our gifts with love. We are to touch all God's creatures in all of God's creation with truth, peace, and integrity. Amen. Please join together in the Gloria. Thank you, beautifully sung. You may be seated.
Amen. Thank you. Would the children come, please? You can get up. I did. <laughs> it's for the child in each of us, Kim. There's plenty of room. You know what? I missed you. I went, I, I went to a church while I was away, and they didn't take time for the kids. And that bothered me. It made me miss you even more. Now, are the big people making you crazy? No? Uh-huh. Okay. How did things go with all the snow and stuff? Up? Okay. Were you able to... We have some ups and some downs and some sideways. Okay. What were the ups? Ah, snow time. Downtime? What? You couldn't get out of the driveway? You got stuck in the snow? Your car did? Were you in the car? Then you got stuck in the snow. Now, was that fun? Why wasn't it fun? Is it a lot of snow days? Too much snow. Too much snow, yeah. Um, we had no power, like, for, like, three days. For three, no power for three days. Actually, more than three. More than three? Yeah, because when the power finally came on a few weeks ago, Yeah. Because my uncle uh, didn't have enough food, so we got him some. So you helped him by getting some groceries. Good. So did any of the rest of you have power outage? Um, I have power. You do? Uh, um, I had. Did, did the power go out at your house? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, now what, did you, what did you do with no television and no computers and no tablets? Nothing? Oh, you had a generator. Whoa! How cool is that? Okay. Okay. So, you made it through all right. And the big people didn't make you too nuts? Maybe a little nuts? Okay. Please understand, okay, Big people have their problems too, all right? And sometimes, okay, when they have problems, they make us crazy. Now, let's see. 
Well, I don't think I'm going to. Well, I can. Okay. But there's nothing in the magic hat. I was going to show you something. Okay. You recognize what those are? Okay. Those are, that's my teeth. I had to go to the dentist. Okay? And they made a mold of my teeth. Okay? And what they did was they used a computer and they scanned my mouth. All right? And they sent the scan away all the way across the country. All right? And the people on the other side of the country use the scan to make these. No, because you don't know whether to go toward them or away from them, do you? I saw that they and I thought, that? well, they're not. They're not real, okay? But they're just like the inside of my mouth, okay? You, do, do any of you have problems with gritting your teeth at night? Or, or you have to have braces or stuff, okay? Well, I grit my teeth at night, and so I had to get a mouth guard. And what the dentist did was he made this so he could make the mouth guard. All right. Now, when I was your age, nothing like this could exist. Nothing like this could exist. Can you see where I have Fillings? <laughs> okay. Can you see the flat spots there where I have fillings? All right. They made, they made the, the picture, and then they made the model of my entire mouth. And notice, notice how perfect my, my teeth are. That one's bent. That one's got a big space between. That one's... I don't know. I was going to say boogers, but no, because I don't eat boogers. Anyway, all right, see the holes there? Yeah, you have some too, okay? And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just how I am. Okay, it's just how I am. And the problem isn't that my teeth aren't perfect. The problem is, at night, I grind my teeth.
okay? And it's something, okay? Olivia lost a lot of teeth. Yeah, she did? Have you lost any yet? That's part of growing up is losing teeth and then growing new ones. But what happened was when I got my big person teeth, okay, I was grinding them at night, and I was wearing them down. And then it wouldn't work. So I had to make some changes. Now, sometimes in our lives, we have to make some changes. I don't like my mouth guard, but I wear it. And the reason I wear it is because I don't want to just mash food with my gums. Some of the big people out there are chuckling because they have dentures. They have, they have these that fit to replace their teeth. Okay. But I'm saying all that simply to say this. What we do okay, affects who we are both today and tomorrow. And God wants us to take care of ourselves and take care of each other because he loves us. It's not that God wants to punish us. It's that God wants to protect us. And sometimes the big people do that to us too. Do you ever have mom, dad, okay, the big person you trust say, stop that! Hmm? I bet you have, haven't you? And it's because they don't want you to hurt yourself or somebody else. Okay? Your world's going to be complicated. Your world is a world where people can make stuff like this. Okay? Sometimes the decisions on what helps and what hurts will not be easy. But God will help you make the right decision. God loves you. Always remember that. Okay? Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you. Because you've made us and no brag, God, but we're wonderful. You've made all of us, and we're all wonderful if we just give each other a chance and if we listen to you. Oh, Lord, help us take care of ourselves and each other so that, oh, Lord, we can be the kind of people you want us to be. Hear our prayer. Amen. Thank you for coming, and thank you for looking at my teeth. We have surprises. See, we're going to help your dentist make money off of you, because we have treats, sweet treats. <laughs> you do? Whoa, cool. I have lots of those.
Anybody else want to see my teeth? <laughs> You're no fun. Our Lord Jesus, one of the things that you have tried to teach us, not only with your words, but by what you've done, is that in God's kingdom, there's always enough. You've provided enough for us, and out of that enough, we bring back to you our gifts. Take our gifts, bless them. And, oh God, make sure that they are enough. Hear our prayer. Amen. Our hymn of preparation is number 297.
Son, you may be seated. Scripture focus for this morning is Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. Excuse me. I am being dyslectic today. It's chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The joys of dyslexia taking the middle number and putting it either at the beginning or the end. <laughs> you have homework. Yes. This week, read Luke chapter 6. Okay. I was trying to say to the children... There's some truths, obvious truths, about the way things are. There are truths about the way we are. One of the things that's been really hard for me to wrap my head around lately is when I was their age, the amount of knowledge in the world doubled every 50 years. The amount of knowledge in their world doubles every 11 months. Let that sink in. And we wonder why we experience children is hyperactive, they have to run as fast as they possibly can to anywhere near keep up. There are truths about the way everything is going to be. Before too long, okay, the amount of information that we have available to us will double every nine months. Think about what that means. That means when these kids go to school, okay, half the information that they learn will not be half of the information that is considered true when they are done that year. It's hard to wrap our heads around, is it? Now, 
when it comes to truth, okay, often we quite simply ignore or forget about them. Often we live our lives based on many assumptions that are either partly or totally untrue. Okay. In our culture, we mistake complexity for depth. The way we live gets terribly complicated very quickly. Things get complex before we know it. Our lives may be complicated, but they are not deep. We tend to be shallow people. That includes me. We are like people who live on top of ice. But we never realize that there's a vast ocean underneath. We are experts about ice. But we stay ignorant about the water and what's in it. We get out of touch with the vastness of reality. Our focus has become the material world. We have forgotten that the material world is only a tiny part of the infinities of all that exists. Can I give you a lecture about quantum mechanics? Thank you. A very wise decision. Okay? But what quantum mechanics says is there's multiple realities. that all affect each other. We think many things about Jesus, his teachings in the kingdom of God that are complicated. We believe things that are more than a bit superficial. We believe things that ultimately say more about us than about him or the kingdom. We tend to look at the what and the why of Jesus' life. When we talk and teach about Jesus, we too often miss how. How did Jesus live? How did Jesus teach? Jesus lived and taught and talked in ways that are both simple and deep. Much of his influence and his power to turn people's lives in new directions came from that simplicity and depth. Jesus reached out to people with parables, with pictures. He told simple stories that are word pictures. They plumb the heart of both people and God. In Jesus' day, people were more interested in what God would do at the end of all things than we are. Today, we are more likely to talk about the doomsday clock. Been getting a lot of press lately. Or how close we are to the singularity. Rather than deal with anything that even hints at God, whoever God is, being active in human history. In Jesus' day, People talked to each other about the kingdom of God. They talked about how the kingdom would come. And they wanted to know how the kingdom of God works both now 
and in whatever future may come. Some offered apocalyptic descriptions of the kingdom of God. Apocalyptic basically means that their pictures included vast battles between huge armies, both physical and spiritual. They pictured terrible killing grounds. Bodies would be everywhere. They expected near total devastation. Almost nothing would be left. Their focus was on power, prominence, and impressiveness. You want a contemporary picture of apocalyptic? Look at the photos from the Ukraine. Basically a war of total destruction. Now, Jesus did describe some end-time catastrophes, but mostly he used the kingdom of God using other ways. His way was simpler, less frightening, and not so overwhelming. Jesus didn't put his emphasis on people's evil and rebelliousness. Rather, Jesus focused on God's amazing generosity and power. Jesus didn't offer much in the way of complicated details. He allowed for unknowns, for mysteries. He explained only what was truly important. He used word pictures to show how God works. Think about that. I'm going to show you how. I appreciate when somebody does that for me. They don't just say, well, show me how. Okay, right now, okay, I need somebody to show me how to put the drive bands on my 400 CD electronic turntable. All right, I haven't been able to figure it out. When we talk about being Christians, mostly we talk about using what we learned from the Apostle Paul. We talk about believing in Jesus. We talk about the rewards of faith in eternity. Luke 6 is a good example of the way Jesus talked about being his follower. He talked about bearing fruit now. He describes what good fruit looks like. He talks specifically about how God will treat us both in this life and the life to come. Now, I grew up in church. Did I ever tell you that? I grew up in church, and when a preacher went to this verse in the New Testament, I knew he was going to ask for money. Put my hand on my wallet. Because the preacher was going to pick my pocket. Most of the sermons were some variation of the same thing. Okay? Give me your money, I will spend it, and God will give you more. Now that's the teaching of Reverend Ike. Okay? I respect Reverend Ike because he was honest. Okay? His sermons were... Give me your money, I will spend it on me, 
and God will give you more. Okay? There are other preachers that are still preaching that sermon. Send in your $25. All right. Now, Jesus didn't do that sort of thing. Jesus didn't say, give me your money. He said, give. But it was always, give to the poor. And it's very likely that poor had a very different meaning than what we bring to it today. Give to the poor. Give to someone who has fallen down and cannot get up by themselves, either physically or economically or spiritually. Hmm. Jesus didn't say, give me money and I will help people. He said, you go, you help people. You give two people who have fallen down and who can't give up by themselves. What a concept. Now, this isn't an easy process. Okay? You don't, Bill, we didn't have to be preachers very long before we found out that there were a lot of people that were good at acting it falling and not getting up by themselves. I see his smile. (laughs) He's going through his list. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes it's hard to determine who really can't get up by themselves. But Jesus makes it clear the way God works is based on compassion and generosity. Jesus makes it clear if we are generous now, others will be generous to us now. More importantly, Jesus makes it clear God will show us at least the same level of compassion and generosity that we show to others. I am not Joel Olstein. I don't do abundance theology. Okay? But what I do is a theology that says God works in ways that end up more than enough. And it won't be a little here, it won't be a little there, it will be pressed down to get more in, it will be shaken together so the maximum 
amount fits in. It will run over. It can't be contained. Honey, it's going to make a mess. Think about it. Ever have too much of a good thing? What do we do when we have too much? Do we tear down our barns and build bigger? I just dropped my sermon. My wife would say, good, let the spirit lead. Don't pick it up. If other people will be that way to us when we are compassionate and generous, then imagine what our compassionate and generous God will do. Jesus is clear. When God is generous, when God blesses, God makes a mess because there is too much for us to hold on to. We have to pass it on. We have to pay it forward. We have to keep it moving. It's important to read the whole thing when we read Holy Scripture. We can't just focus on the part we like. We can't just focus on the part we agree with. We need to deal with the whole thing. We need to listen to the whole thing. We need to be guided by the whole thing. And Jesus says we need to live the whole thing. Did I mention the whole thing and how important that is? Jesus ends his teaching about how God works with the parable about the man who builds his house on solid rock. Jesus clearly says, if you come to me, if you listen to me, and if you do what I say, then you will build on an unshakable foundation. What did Jesus just teach? He taught the way of God works, the way that God works is by compassion and generosity. He taught that God treats us the way we treat others. He taught that life now and forever is about giving and getting everything pressed down, shaken together, and running over, making a good mess. How do we live? Do we live in ways that say there's not enough to go around? When I do pre-wedding counseling, I can generally tell whether a couple's going to be successful or not. By their answer to this question. Is there enough of everything to go around? If one says yes and the other says no, they'll likely end up in divorce court. Had one couple that it only took them three months. If both, and the reason for that is if one believes there's enough and the other one doesn't believe there's enough, 
okay, the one that believes they're enough will keep giving because the other one, okay, says there's not enough, I have to have more. And I have to have more, and I have to have more. Okay? Two sets of rules. All right? couple will make it. It'll be difficult if both of them say there's not enough. At least they're operating with the same set of rules. The people that I've seen that are most successful are the ones that both of them say, yeah, there's enough to go around for everybody. And then some. How do we live? Do we live in ways that say there's not enough to go around? Some people get left out. Are we miserly? Are we me first, last, and foremost? Do we shrink the kingdom and God's power so there's not enough to go around? If we think that there's not enough of God and everything to go around, will there be enough of God and everything to include us. Or do we live in ways that say there's always enough to go around for everyone? Are we compassionate? Are we generous? Do we see the limitlessness of the kingdom of God's power? Do we know there's enough of God and everything to go around so that we don't have to worry about there being enough of God and everything to include us? We're the answer to that question. Jesus had his own answer. We're on our way on our journey to the resurrection. Notice I didn't stop at the crucifixion. What is the resurrection? We can talk doctrine. We can talk theology. We can talk all kinds of details. But what the resurrection is about is God loves us so much that death in and of itself can never win. Yes, we have to deal with it. But death never wins. Will the way be easy? No. That night, when Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. He was saying, no, it won't be easy. When he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. He was saying, this won't be easy. The resurrection says God wins.
Love wins. Life wins. It may not be easy, but God wins. Love wins. Life wins. There's more than enough life to go around. So much that life gobbles up death. And how do we know that? Because of what happened after the bread and the cup. It doesn't stop here, folks. This is the moment, the bread and the cup, that says to us, Will we embrace the struggle? Will we become Jesus in this world? Will we be compassionate? Will we be generous? Will we be Jesus in our here and now in this world? One of the most startling realizations I've ever had is this one. For some people, what they see of Jesus in me is all they will ever see of Jesus in this life. Kind of heavy, isn't it? Let us pray. Blessed Jesus, how you lived and how you taught was about showing us how God is. You lived a life that went beyond yourself to gather every one of us into the kingdom of God. The way you taught, the way you lived was to show us very concretely that there is always enough. Enough of God, enough room in the kingdom, enough love, enough of everything and you ask us to live like we believe it the way you did as we come to the bread and the cup somehow make the bread your body the cup your blood for us and transform us O oh Lord into you working for the kingdom of God in our here and now. Listen to our prayer, O oh God. Amen.
take, eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, and share it with all you meet. Eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, and share it with all you meet. this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus and share it with all you meet. this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, share that love with everyone you meet. Eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, and share that love with everyone you meet.
eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of God, and share it with all you meet. Eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, and share that love with all you meet. Eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, and share it with all whom you meet. Eat this bread, drink this cup, know the love of Jesus, share that love with all whom you meet. this cup. Know the love of Jesus. Share it with all whom you meet. This bread, drink this cup. Know the love of Jesus. Share it with all whom you meet. closing hymn for this morning is number 393. If we could sing it through twice.
please join me in the benediction. The risen Lord has, has told, told us, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are we if we do his commandments. Then we may reach the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of God's great kingdom. Amen. Some things don't change. My apologies to the roast if it burned. <laughs>